off the ball. I don't think Springboks are in crisis because you would hate for a team that is so phenomenally good a year out from the World Cup to be world number one and then to go out in the quarterfinals. Yes, yeah, Stephen, we, we know. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. I'm delighted to say Kian Fahey is with us. Kian, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. We're seven days away, I believe. I'm trying to avoid saying who that very uh, difficult voice to guess is. I'm just going to want to brought it out in there, you know. That's all right. I think everybody, we've made that one relatively straightforward for, uh, for people this morning. Uh, it's the 21st anniversary, 21st anniversary of the handshake? Uh, yeah, 21st, 2001. Yeah, yeah. Um, something you'd forget is how pivotal Roy Keane was in the goal, which you'd actually like. I think Yapstam just kind of fell out of the way, and it's like that was. Keane comes on and says, "I'm trying very hard not to I'm say the name." To avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> C-I-A-N. Yeah. So I've, I think everyone knew anyway. <laughs> Keane, bye. Good morning to you. How are you? Moving on. Nearly nine o'clock. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> you said it's uh, less than ten days. It's seven days away from the NFL season, but. I think the NFL is unique in the sense that it's been eight months since the end of the last season. The last season is longer than the actual season itself. So even this last week is going to feel like forever because the, the running is so, so difficult, so long. It's, I can't wait for it to actually start and get going. The bit that happened over the last three or four days was that the massive training rosters that they had uh, gets cut down to 53 men. So you're allowed to have 53 and then you're allowed another practice squad you can call people up to. But the 53-man roster is actually really important. Loads of very famous players have been cut over the last week or so, which kind of gives you an indication of the strength and depth of some of the different teams. Was there anything specific that stood out to you there before we get into the quarterback carousel? No, I think the the big story, like the, it's the way it works every single year. Like I said, the offseason is so long that you can kind of get changes in the sport without getting like transfers or, or players playing with new teams because the beating they take during the season and then the carryover of aging for eight months means guys can very quickly go from being really, really good players, so they're known names, to suddenly being not physically able to stay on a roster anymore. The one that kind of stands out, though, and the big story from this preseason is Kenny Galladay because he's that wide receiver for the New York Giants and he's probably the highest paid wide receiver at one stage, or he was at one stage, and he was given this massive, massive deal to go to the Giants and be the star wide receiver from the Detroit Lions either last year or the year before. And they just want rid of him and they can't get rid of him because of financial aspects. Or if they did, they took a huge penalty to do so. And Galladay is this incredible athlete, incredible wide receiver, incredible talent. But his uh, his effort has been criticized there, I think unfairly at times. But his fit has also just been a major problem. And that's something you find in the NFL. Like You have to have the right scheme fit. You have to have the right fit with the right quarterback if you're a wide receiver especially. And then you have to be physically able to sustain through all the beatings you take. It's why the average length of careers there is less than three years. It's why players fluctuate so much. A guy like Odell Beckham can go from being a superstar generational talent, has an ACL tear, and now suddenly he's just on the free agent market and not be able to get a job because physically he's not where he needs to be. Um, the player that you want to start this uh, quarterback conversation around is uh, Tua Tungabayola. He's the Miami QB, a lefty who suffered a horrific injury in one of his final college games. And that has essentially put him behind the eight ball ever since. Now, they've got a new head coach. They've got an incredible investment made in a supporting cast. And so, therefore, you would say it's all set up for him to succeed. Um, are you a, a two and on? Are you a two a truther? Do you think he's going to make it? 
First of all, I'd like to commend you on the pronunciation of his second name, because even I don't go that far in, in trying to do it properly. Tonga Vailoa, it's supposed to be, but that's not far from the way it's spelled. Um, Tua is fascinating, because Tua, you, you mentioned the hip injury. He had the hip injury at Alabama. Tua played as the starting quarterback at Alabama, and what that means is he was the pinnacle of college football at one stage. He was the best or one of the best players in high school. So he was a superstar, superstar prospect. And then he destroyed his hip. And he has a hip now that you think would be like a 60-year-old or 65-year-old normal person's hip because it dislocated. That's not a normal injury. It's not something like an ACL that you see all the time. So he still comes out of college and comes out of Alabama and is a really high pick for the Miami Dolphins. They're desperate for him to be the franchise guy. He's the best uh, thing that they, they think they're going to get for the last 20 or 30 years since Dan Marino. They have all the highest of highest hopes for him. And now he's entered the NFL. He's played 21 games. He's playing against the 1% as a 1%. And he's not only doing that at a difficult position. He's doing it at the most difficult position in sports, which is a quarterback, because you have to master everything about the position or you're not going to be even effectively good at all. And the real story about him is he's doing all this while throwing the ball with his wrong hand. Tua, when he was a child, his father taught himself as a coach and he taught himself as a bit of a visionary. And he said, if my son controls the ball with his left hand, that will make him stand out more. That will make him more valuable. So he's actually right-handed, but he's played his whole career throwing the ball with his left hand. And it's a weird thing because you can actually see it in the way he throws the ball. He's not natural throwing the ball at all. He's not comfortable throwing the ball at all. He's done it well enough to reach the NFL, which is an incredible achievement. But he also has very, very little arm strength. His passes often just die in the air. And this is why over the last two years, the first two years of his career, they've always thrown the ball very, very short. They, ha- they haven't been able to push the ball downfield. They haven't been able to hit tight windows. He hasn't been able to drop back in the pocket and rip the ball into a, a closing window the way a Justin Herbert can or a Josh Allen can or even a Lamar Jackson can. But he has been effective enough that the Dolphins still believe in him. And besides that, they brought in a new coach, like you said, Mike McDaniel, and he's going to an offense that pushes the ball downfield. He's going to an offense that relies heavily on intermediate throws, which is 10 to 20 yards downfield, and deep shots, which is more than 20 yards downfield. More often than not, he takes a deep drop in that offense as well. So you can add 10 yards to any throws, throws he makes. So if he's throwing the ball 25 yards downfield, it's probably going to be a 35 to 40 yard throw more, more than likely. So he's now in a position where he's going to make these throws, and they've invested huge amounts into Tarn Armstead at left tackle, one of the best left tackles in the NFL, or at least he was when he was at the Saints, and the big uh, story of the year, Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes' number one receiver, who is built to go deep, and he's built to play with a quarterback who has a huge arm. And it just doesn't seem like it's going to be a good fit. I think it'll work to a degree because the offensive scheme there is a perfect fit for Hill and they'll get guys wide open for Tua to throw the ball too. But at the end of the day, they saw it with the 49ers and ultimately your quarterback has to make difficult plays, especially in the playoffs. And Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't do it when he wasn't being carried by the scheme. And I don't think Tua will be able to do it when he's not being carried by the scheme as well. Okay, so ultimately that might end up um, doomed to failure and they'll be on the, the market next season for a new QB. Somebody who has been on the market, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo there, he will be backing up Trey Lance in San Francisco. They uh, cut his salary by $16 million and he's sticking around. He's only going to be earning $6 million to sit on the bench and uh, carry a clipboard. So not bad work if you can get it. Unless he's going to start at some point in the next few weeks or a couple of months. Well, it's one of the best jobs in, in the NFL or in sports is to be a backup quarterback because you can never play and make six or seven million a year, eight million a year even. And Garoppolo's getting to do that now and he has a no trade clause and he has full control of his future. From the 49ers' point of view, it's not ideal. It, it's, it's a problem. It's a multifaceted problem because, one, you expected to get some return for him. There was talks of getting a second-round pick even for him at one stage. That was always a bit outlandish. You're still probably hoping that someone gets injured and then he'll waive his no-trace clause and you can get something back from during the season. 
but then it's also disrupting you because you kind of want the Trey Lance to be there and Trey Lance to be your next guy and you can just fully focus on Trey Lance but now Jimmy Grapple's always going to be standing there he's always going to be a picture of him behind and as soon as he has a bad game there will be a section of the fan base that's like Jimmy G was great Jimmy G won us games let's bring Jimmy G back and Trey Lance is the polar opposite to Tua in that he came through college without being uh, a superstar. He wasn't a highly thought of prospect in high school. He wasn't a highly thought of prospect coming out of... Um, well, he was actually, sorry. He, he was a high pick in the draft. But he wasn't necessarily a celebrated player. He was a developmental player. He's a freak athlete. He's got a huge arm. He can run all day. He actually, ironically, reminds, reminds me a lot of Colin Kaepernick, who the 49ers jettisoned famously or infamously all those years ago. And now he's got an opportunity to play with Kyle Shanahan, who is a similar system to what we are talking about in Miami, where they're going to get wide open receivers. They're going to get him easy options. And all he's got to do is execute on a base level technically to do that consistently. And that will uh, allow the whole offense to prosper because of how physically talented he is. But from what I've seen of Trey Lance, I'm not 100% sure he's going to be able to do that. Like I said, the offseason is really long, so he could have developed a lot over the last eight months. He could have developed a lot over the last two years while not starting. But the glimpses of him that we've seen have not really been exciting. Have not really been, oh, this guy looks like he fits. He looks like he belongs. He looks like he's going to easily take on, on this uh, th- this league and become a superstar. But I guess the, the argument against that then is you guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes who at the start of their careers looked like they didn't know what they were doing and then eventually it clicked for them and that's what the 49ers are hoping. I, I think I, I didn't really mention it with Tua. I should have mentioned it with Tua. He's the most important player for the whole league because the Dolphins are set up to be a Super Bowl contender if he plays well. But if he doesn't play well, the whole team will completely crash. I think you can say similar about Trey Lance. The 49ers aren't at their peak talent-wise, but they have a good coaching staff and they have an overall amount of talent that's really, really high. So if he hits, if he hits even to an above-average degree, I think that team becomes a, a force in, in the NFC West. And it, it combines with the Seattle Seahawks completely falling off. They're, they look like they're going to completely rebuild they're starting Geno Smith, which is an insane thing to do in 2022. And uh, Arizona Cardinals, who are dealing with the Andrew Hopkins being suspended and who are having their own infighting with Kyler Murray and, and Cliff Kingsbury. So I think those two teams in their division are probably going down, which leaves just the 49ers to challenge the Rams. And the Rams, coming off a of Super Bowl, teams tend to struggle a little bit coming off a of Super Bowl. And the Rams are a, a relatively young and inexperienced team. It's not like they've won three and four Super Bowls. They know what's coming up. They, they're going to experience new things this year they haven't seen before. You mentioned him there. How good is Josh Allen? Josh Allen is one I famously kind of have issues with calling him a superstar and stuff like that. He's a freak athlete. He's he's as much as you call okay, him. It's okay sometimes to admit you got it wrong, Kane. Don't worry. It's it's it's, it's I, a I, sign I, of your development down. as a human being. Double down. No, so here's here's the thing for me. I think he's so when he came into the league initially as a rookie, he was a complete and utter disaster. Like physically couldn't throw the ball, was didn't know what he was doing, running all over the place, falling all over himself. And I think he's developed to a level with his accuracy that's become above average, become very acceptable, it's become quite good. But the one thing I w- I'm still wary of, and it's the same thing that happened with Carson Wentz and with Garoppolo to a degree, he plays behind an exceptional offensive line. And when the offensive line uh, plays to that level, you don't see a quarterback in the most difficult circumstances yeah. all the time, which you see with other players. So I think Josh Allen has become one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I think it's an incredible testament to his development. It's an incredible testament to what he's been able to achieve. But I still think it's premature when people compare him to a Patrick Mahomes, compare him to a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, or the very, very best quarterbacks in the league. But, I mean, he, he's still young. He's still developing. 26, he's still, yeah. He, that superstar. He, he, uh, his, his progression is such that you would expect him to be able to get there if 
he continues at yeah. that level, notwithstanding the point about the, the offensive line. So let's, let's see what happens. He also has to be put in that position, though, because if, it happens eventually with everyone. Like Derek Carr has kind of been found out a little bit over recent years. He started his career behind a phenomenal offensive line. But to keep a phenomenal offensive line, uh, you need five players. And offensive linemen are as difficult to find as quarterbacks. But you need five of them who are high quality, and you need five of them who work perfectly together. So teams never keep them for more than like three or four years. Or you need an amazing coach, uh, which yeah. doesn't seem to be too many of those around. Somewhat per- Somewhat a personal question, which is um, probably irrelevant. How what is going on with American football in New York at the moment? How are they both effectively two hundred to one to win the Super Bowl? How have the Giants become so bad? The Jets are always like it just it just defies belief that the Giants could be in the wasteland that they're in. Pretty much everything starts with the owners. You've got Woody Johnson in New York, who is a famously a good buddy of Donald Trump, so you can understand how he runs his businesses. And you, I don't really need to explain further with the Jets. They're a, a complete and utter travesty. They tend to draft a lot of players who everyone else kind of scratches their head and goes, why did you pick them? That doesn't make any sense. So they've had these decision makers at the top who just don't, like, who are happy to take money and not really... Uh, incisive thinkers or, or thoughtful thoughtful people or innovative people is what I was trying to say they also have uh, a tendency to go for what they call a football guy which is generally just a guy who is old and gives out and complains about things and likes to talk about getting dirty and, and running the ball and that kind of stuff which is just an antiquated way of building football teams it doesn't work anymore the Giants have had similar issues with David Gettleman since Eli Manning retired they haven't really moved past that era and David Gettleman came in and he's since gone but he literally at a time when Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and all the small players in the league were cutting up the league he came in and said football is about having the biggest guys so he just kept drafting these big massive offensive linemen and defensive linemen and every team would just run around them and run past them and, and make it easy on them and they've also tied themselves to a quarterback called Daniel Jones who is not good enough and he but it's actually it's kind of fascinating in the nfl it's best to draft an awful quarterback or a great quarterback you don't really want to draft a below average one or just a bad one because you'll always be able to convince yourself that oh we'll make it work with him even though Mm. it's very clear you're not going to be able to make it work with him and that's kind of where the giants are right now you're in purgatory very quickly russell wilson is that um is he the new peyton manning gonna go to the broncos and win as in how quickly do you want this can i just go no okay uh. <laughs> I can explain it a bit further, but like the Seahawks didn't get rid of him because they were moving on to something else. The Seahawks got rid of him to reboot because they looked at him and saw, oh, he's an athletic quarterback. He's been really, really great for us. But he's also someone who relies on his athleticism primarily, and he's getting old. And he's not necessarily taking a lot of hits, but he plays in a certain way that's not going to age well. So I think they'll be very lucky if they make the playoffs in that division. If they were in a different division, they could be a playoff team. Okay. But they've got to compete with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, even the Raiders who are rebuilding a little bit. Okay, quick 30-second answers. Marcus Mariota in Atlanta, good or bad? I think this is one that's really going to surprise people. The Falcons over-under for the year is 4.5. I think they easily eclipse that. Mariano's a really, really good quarterback, and they've got a bunch of talented uh, pieces in there. Mariano's a, another one who's a, a great backstory that we could go through it a, uh, in a longer way in a different day, but he kind of was brushed out of uh, Tennessee after being a star early and then came found himself in a bad situation, then get, went to the Raiders as a backup for two years, and now he's trying to restart his career. Okay, so um, you know he, he might actually flourish there. Matt Ryan in Indianapolis, is he washed? I think he is, but like we just talked about, the Colts generally set the quarterback up for success, good offensive line play, good scheme play. So I think that's going to be a really interesting one, and it's a soft division. The Texans aren't going to be good this year. The Jaguars are never good. The Titans, I think, are regressing a lot because they lost A.J. Brown. They lost Johnny Smith the year beforehand. The pieces there are slowly eroding away. So I think they're in a position where they're very likely to make the playoffs, and he's got Jonathan Taylor there as one of the stars in the league right now, which will take a lot of pressure off. And then the last one is you mentioned the Jags. Trevor Lawrence in year two. What's going to happen there? 
Ooh, that's a hard one to talk about uh, in short detail because he was in a, a, an insane situation last year where his head coach was going around kicking people and calling people out and embarrassing them. And that was his first year in the league. So I think there's a reset button for him in year two. He's a good athlete again. He's got a big, strong arm. I think technically he's lacking some qualities that he's going to need. So hopefully he's able to show them off. If he shows them off, most people think he's going to be the next superstar. So if he takes that step forward, and year two is generally when quarterbacks do. So he could be an interesting one to watch more than someone we know a lot about yet. All right. King, good stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers. Thanks, guys. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.